Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. It's 25 minutes of champagne football and 65 minutes of sparkling grape juice football as Arsenal get past Doncaster Rovers 1-0 at the Emirates in the, it says here, Carabao Cup. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Give us a five-star review, because if you don't do it now, you certainly will not be doing it after this podcast, where I am joined only by Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. By the way, I'm on the grape juice. You're on the grape juice right now. Yeah, absolutely. Chardonnay. Chardonnay tonight. Should be good. Chardonnay. Dear God, man. It's the (laughs) evening. Drink a good red wine. What's wrong with you? Brexit means Brexit. Um, Anyway. So, yeah. All right. Look, I think the first thing we have to talk about here, Clive, is just that um, the manager seems to struggle knowing how to balance wanting to get the young players into the side um, while still retaining a level of seniority and, and getting playing time for senior players. And what it has wound up meaning is that the young players get in, but they don't get in at their preferred position. Um, I looked at this lineup, and what I saw was a mess. I mean, it looked like he had one of those boggle cups and threw names in it and then just dropped them down on, on a pitch to see where they landed. Um, how disappointed were you to see players who were so excited about, like Maitland-Niles and, and Nelson, thrown into the squad in positions that we know probably don't suit them? Yeah, it's a shame, right? So we spoke last time, didn't we, about what's the formation for the second team. And we sort of all agreed begrudgingly that four-two-three-one would suit them a little bit wait, better. Wait, 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 wait. I didn't agree. <laughs> you and Tim agreed. And now I'm here to tell you I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once me and Tim agree, that's, we call that. The, that's it. The patent is done. There, it's there gospel, go. right? So, um, so. Um, well, the reason why we're thinking that way, it's just a thought process. We're going to get more players standing in the right part of the pitch so they can really shine. And when you're a second-team-ish player, you want you want to want to impress, don't you? So if you want to impress, you want to be in a part of the pitch where your muscle muscle memory and thought process is really, really natural. Right? And um, when we went 3-5-2 you know, three, or 3-4-3, three, whatever you want to call it, I just felt there was two or three people not playing where they want to play, which is a shame for them, really, because they can't really show an expectant fan base that's heard all about them their top game. And it just felt a little bit disjointed. But I suppose with the opposition, we could get away with almost anything we wanted. But I felt for the players that have waited many, many years to, for some of them to have their moment at home and for others really trying to establish themselves with the manager and they weren't quite able to over sustained period of time. Yeah, I mean, the, the other thing is, I, I think you look at it, and Alexis, Theo, and Giroud are about the worst three players you could put on a pitch to fill out this formation in the front three. I mean, the, Giroud and Alexis have never particularly linked up particularly well. Theo doesn't add any kind of linking or control from that right side, and, and we'll, we'll get to the good stuff yeah. in a moment, but I just think this was a lineup that, you know, if you have... 10 really good players on the pitch all in their right position and throw a youth player in at a, at a less favored position, maybe it works out for him because he's being pulled along by the cohesion of the the rest of the team. But but when you put so many players in positions and, and in partnerships they're not used to, it makes it even harder on the young players. And you have to feel for them because the step up to first team, Clive, is huge. I mean, even if the opposition isn't great, it's 44,000 fans. It's you look up and instead of seeing some other, you know, 
U23 player, there's Alexis Sanchez and there's Olivier Giroud yeah. and that, you know, and the ball's coming to you faster and the expectations are greater and the, the nerves are jangling. And so this seems like a little bit of an unfair way to give these players their, their chance to, to be in the first team. And, you know, we look back at the, the League Cup of years gone by and the manager didn't used to do this, did he? I mean, he really went with the young players in their natural position and it didn't always work, but we got a lot of really exciting performances back then, didn't we? Like, you know, when it was Carlos Vela chipping in goals from, from all angles. Yeah, I suppose we... I suppose this is the byproduct of something we've always wanted, right? So, well, I've always wanted. Depth. I've always... I, I always see... Yeah, I always see formations as tools, right? So, and we've now got a couple of formations that we use regularly. Now, Wenger was always somebody that stuck to one formation, and when he changed it, he he changed it well, reportedly for the Cesc Fabregas-type player, and he changed it throughout the club. So the club played one formation. Now we've got two, and there's a couple of different balances within that two formations, those, both those formations. And I just feel, okay, we wanted that, but maybe... For the second team, as we, as we discussed, we need to think a little bit more smartly about maximising their quality. You know, there's a couple of players, like Theo, for example. Whatever formation is out there, he plays exactly the same in that sort of inside right channel. He's going to be in the right in. channel no matter where you tell him to be. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's the best in the world on that right channel going out to in. There's many players that do that run. It's a very difficult skill. And also, it's very difficult to finish on that right-hand side. And he does that one thing very, very well. But when you've got a situation where you've got a win back behind him that's a dribbler one-on-one merchant that wants to be an isolation type player so he wants to be one-on-one and you've got Theo Walcott standing five yards in front of you what do you do well where do you go where do you dribble to where do you how do you create the overloads how do you combine and so Nelson was really forced to play inside of a forward who should be inside of the wing back Mm -hmm. and he sort of restricted him you know, it's almost like I look at Nelson. I don't, I, you know I me. Mean? I'm big onto NBA basketball, right? So they call them ISO players, players like Kyrie Irving, an ISO player, one on one. Allen Iverson back in the day. He, exactly right. One on one, one on one merchant. Just leave me, isolate me, with my man, and I'll and I'll take him to school. And that's what Nelson's like. He wants to be one on one. He wants to be in situations where he can isolate himself against people. And what? What we did by Theo doing his normal game and not playing inside where he doesn't want to be because that that puts him in areas where he's not so good in tight spaces, example. And I thought we lost a little bit of Nelson. It was a bit of a shame for his sort of home debut start but in a competitive game. But mm. but hey, that that's 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 what we've got, I'm afraid. With um it's not a massive criticism of Theo. It's just it's a shame that he wasn't a bit more flexible to play inside and have those skill sets so he can thrive in those tight areas. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know at this point what you know what he is as a player because he wanted to be center forward and then he said nope now I'm, you know I'm a wide forward and in this system I, he's a little bit of neither. I I think um well let's get to the good stuff because for 25 minutes they barely looked like they could resist us and I, I felt at the time That's that it could good. be five or six um and you know. I'll, Theo was a big part of the threat, and to his credit, he scored the goal, the opening goal, and what wound up being the only goal from an absolutely sensational pass from Alexis that traveled probably every bit of 40 or 45 yards across the pitch in swinger over the defense onto the foot of Theo with the easiest of little chips to finish, although the control and composure was good. Um, I mean, at that point, 
what was working for us and, and why do you think we were having so much joy? I, one of the things that did work, I, I think, to answer my own question um, rather than listening to what you have to say is, That's cool. is Maitland Niles was overlapping really well with Alexis early and getting to the byline. He just wasn't picking the right ball. He was kind of yeah. gibsy in a way. He was getting into those positions and not picking the right final ball. And we were getting a lot of, uh, a lot of joy down that left side. Yeah, absolutely. And why was that? Because one was the right one was on the touchline, and Alexis was thriving inside, so yeah. they could combine. Whereas on the right hand side, it was the other way around. The forward was on the outside, and the wing back was on the inside, which made it very, very difficult to create the the one twos, the overloads, because what they actually did, Theo was coming quite deep, and what they actually did is say, "Well, you can go deep if you want. We're not going to follow you in there." And so it was wasted. But in the end, he made a great run, a great pass. Maitland Niles, obviously, he's not left-footed, but he's fast. He's athletic. And, and the level of player they were playing against, he was able to run run away from his man quite easily. And and he couldn't quite find a pass. If he was left-footed, I'm sure he would have done. But um, again, I felt for him a little bit because if you want to pick a position where he probably doesn't want to be, left wing back would probably be near to be top of the list. Well, I mean, he he's shown that he doesn't want to be there. I mean, against Cologne, until we changed system, he, you know, he he didn't seem to be excelling at wing back either. And it, it's just unfortunate that he hasn't really had the chance since that Southampton game where he shined in central midfield in the FA Cup. Hasn't really gotten yeah, a chance I, to start from that position. Yeah, and, and there's a few rumors about. Um, well, not rumors. Obviously, we lost two Willock brothers. Uh, over the last few years. I mean, you hate to lose and, one uh, Willock, but losing two Willocks, I mean, uh, what are you going to do? Exactly right. But this one, Joe Willock, well, he's he's really developing physically, and and Wenger seems to be prioritising him over other players and maybe have been there, like Marcus McGuane, for example, who also plays centre midfield. He seems to be prioritising his development, Willock, over other people that may be slightly older, maybe maybe as deserving and I think some of that just pure speculation is to make sure we don't lose three Willocks right so um so that'd be interesting. I mean at the point that you lose that? three Willocks close up as a club like you, you just stop being you can't exist as a club when you lose the third Willock I mean come on let's see let's see what happens but he's an interesting player Willock I mean I don't I also you know I spotted him everyone spotted him a little while ago he was just a, just a steady player he was the third Willock literally but now he's suddenly grown you know, he's gone from like he's really physically grown. He looks very tall, very leggy, a really smooth mover, and, and maybe the club can see something. You know, he could be if he keeps developing like this physically, height and power. He's good on the ball, been a forward in the past. He's very interesting. It's exciting. To see. It, yeah, to, to have that kind of talent. I, I can tell you if you read Pep, uh, Pep the. Uh, confidential book that that's kind of how he describes his players he said you know look he would sit a player down and say right now you're playing more as a second willick i need you to be more of a third willick um you know you were you were first willick and that was totally unacceptable i need i need you to be more of a third willick so you know i mean as you move through the willicks that's that's really an exciting move um but but all kidding aside look i i think we're in a situation right where he's He's caught because he feels he needs to get Jack Wilshire playing time and Elneny yeah. playing time and Theo Walcott playing time and Olivier Giroud playing time. I don't know. You know, it's to keep the match fit. It's to keep them happy. I don't know how happy it keeps some of these more senior players getting Carabao Cup action. They might just prefer to have the night off. But, yeah. I mean, it is a little eye-opening playing Alexis. So let me ask you, if you had to guess, is he playing Alexis because he just doesn't trust playing him in the Premier League yet and he's not going to play him against West Brom? Or is it genuinely a case of 
wanting to get Alexis back into form, and this was a chance to play him back into form against lesser opposition. I mean, because we don't play until Monday, obviously. Yeah, I think it's purely a fitness thing. He needs to get more minutes into him. He explained in the press conference that, you know, he had a break over the summer, that um, he literally had situation with injury so he's had his first break we all know he's had confederations cup um you know american american championships in the summer he's he's barely had a break for years world cup so he's had his break now i don't know what you think but um let me ask you a question right how do you think alexis affected our team play because i felt I don't know if you noticed or it's just me with my intangibles. I felt that the team were just almost giving the ball at every opportunity and he, and he completely dominates our offensive pattern. Sometimes that's good, but sometimes it can be bad. I mean, how do you think it affected yeah. other people's mentality? I mean, look, I like to watch the game staring into my Twitter feed so that, you know, it's impossible for me to have any conclusions whatsoever <laughs> about how the game was played. But in this case, I, I do have some strong feelings. You might be surprised to learn I have strong opinions on this matter. Um, so I think Alexis Sanchez, first of all, is starting to come into some for some criticism that is totally outrageous. Um, let's not forget we're six games removed from him being our top scorer, our top assister, and arguably the best player in the Premier League, yeah. right? Um, yeah. I agree that he's a bit of a soloist. I agree that he can be a black hole with the football, but he is now the only guy in our squad that dribbles, that will beat a man, that will carry the ball. He's the only guy that really wants the ball to feet and thrives with the ball to feet. So... You know, that's a good quality to have. What I saw in this game, as the match wore on, as Maitland-Niles stopped making those runs overlapping or effectively making them, Theo, we just know he drifts out of games. He doesn't get involved. He doesn't know where to be. He was coming yep. in tight. I mean, there's a great screenshot. Right after he does those keepy-uppies in the yep. middle of the field, Alexis does, and he plays a really beautiful, I mean, uh, threads the needle pass between two midfielders to Giroud's feet on the edge of the area. And Drew plays a little one-two, and that was where he wanted the penalty call and didn't get it, where he threw yeah. himself to the ground a little bit. And if you look at the screenshot, and I put it up on Twitter, the entire right flank is empty. Jack and Elneny have stood in a parallel line with, with Alexis and made no effort to move off plane or into the space that exists. There's no one overlapping on the right. Theo is tucked way in and covered himself up with a defender. Okay. It's the only ball for Alexis to play on the entire pitch. Um, and he had to do eight keepy-uppies into the middle of the pitch for that to even develop. I just think there's a stagnation. You always talk about intensity off the ball. We lack it defensively, yeah. but we lacked it in attack on this night. And I think the dynamic of Theo, Giroud, and Alexis just doesn't work. Giroud is in spaces Alexis wants to move into, so he drops deeper instead of running in behind because he doesn't really have that groove with Giroud. And Theo kind of gums up the works, you know, getting too tight to Giroud and, and too close to the, the center of the pitch. And there's just no lanes. There's no understanding of space and where to occupy the space where the defenders aren't. And I think that screenshot yeah. sort of summed it up. Now, look, you can argue that Alexis does too much on his own, doesn't make the simple pass, doesn't want to just lay it back off to the midfielder. But at some point, if no one's making the progressive pass, if people aren't moving into the spaces... That's what he does. He starts to just try to do it all on his own. And then people point the finger of blame at him because it doesn't come off. I think this was a case where the the lineup combined with the lack of off-ball movement let him down rather than him letting his teammates down. Maybe, maybe you have a point. I think from maybe, my perspective... Maybe not. <laughs> no, I think, I think you do, actually. I think um, 
from my perspective, being a softy developmental coach, I look for things like having the personality to play. So I felt that when he played with Jack, Jack being a, a natural footballer, plays off one touch, sees things really quickly, they automatically played closer together and gelled a little bit. I think you're right. I think Giroud has is when he goes back to goal, he, he can be quite limited when he's in the when he's in the box. He's a he's a very good player, you know, in the box, close to goal, and he starts to bully people. He's very good. Theo's movements, I think we all agree he has some really very, very, very good movements, but he's the layers to his offensive movements are, are, are pretty low. But what he does well, he does exceptionally well. So that makes it very hard for Alexis to combine. So, so then what he does, it, he then dominates everything. And and I maybe, you know, we all make judgments from benchmarks. And so maybe since Chelsea, where there was a far more collective team play, varied going through a number of players, you know, Ramsey, Awobi, you know, Welbeck, Lacazette, all having their moments offensively. I just felt it was very Alexis dominated. Is that because well, he truly? Yeah. yeah. Is that because he truly is our best player by a mile? Is that because he doesn't respect some of his teammates to share the ball with some of them? I mean, this, I'm in this place where I'm not sure. Normally, I I'm pretty sure, right? But I probably I think you make a great point. I think we probably just need to see him with. Lacazette and Ozil to see the best of him and, and maybe he can get the best out of them as well. Yeah, and I mean, by the way, he created the goal. I mean, the the one really effective yeah. final ball of the match, apart from Theo's finish, was him. He created the goal. Um, now, Theo had another chance where he probably should have scored. And refresh my memory, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Theo got him behind one other yep. time should have been a goal kick it wasn't given he probably should have finished but it was it was well saved in the end i don't remember who put him oh that was the Giroud pass on the counter yeah i yeah. think so and he went through and he, he he chose the wrong finish but again he's very dangerous i mean theo theo is he's, he's he's yeah he's an enigma right um he he's a tremendous ambassador he trains really really well if you ever go to a preseason game He's the he comes back like he's never been away. He does not come back slow or not sharp. The first game I saw him play at, at the Emirates Cup, sharpest player on the pitch by a mile. Everyone else is blowing out their backsides. He's fit. That means he's dedicated. He lives right. And he just I also I just wonder if he's if he's opened himself up to development enough. He's put himself into places in the pitch where he's comfortable. And maybe he's become a little bit afraid to foul. And because of that, he's now become limited. And because of that, there are other people going to catch him and overtake him. And he's coming real quick. And then you ask yourself, as Tim alluded to the other day, I wonder I wonder how much he cares, which is a terrible thing to say. But hopefully he's not feeling too comfortable and he's not looking at the match today studio too hard to be a pundit. Because he's 28-29 and he can still move really, really well. I just hope he's open to development and learning and can free himself from that right channel because I still feel he can spend time up front if he wanted to. He shouldn't be scared to play on the left and coming on his right foot. He shouldn't be demanding to the manager, I want to play here because this is what I am because I feel that limits him. And if it limits him, that limits us. And I think that's a shame. Look, first of all, there may be a language barrier between you and I because, uh, or between you and me, I should say, because I'm not sure that blowing out his backside 
uh, or their backside means the same thing over here. Um, it might be related to like we all had beans for dinner, but in any event, um, look, I, we're talking about a player who scored 19 goals last season, and I am not a huge Theo Walcott yeah. fan, and I certainly don't think he works in this formation, but the extent to which we just decide a player is a passenger who is of no value to us, you know, it's weird, right? Because people were desperate for Ox to stay, and he's so talented, and Theo's the one who should fuck off. Theo has done yeah. real things at Arsenal. Real things. Yeah. He's had 14 goal, 10 assist seasons. He's had a 19 goal season. He just had one last season. Um, yeah. He has. He was for a period of time our single best big game and single best Champions League player. Um, yeah. I'm not saying he's still that or that he's an essential part of where we're going, but the extent to which we've just kind of decided he's this talentless hack is a little bit unfair, especially when you consider players like Ox who, you know, Kolesinac has already scored as many goals as Ox did or something like that. Um, yeah, close. Yeah, anyway. But so, look, I mean, as the game started to bog down, it got to be pretty uncomfortable watching. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I just think the squad was pretty unbalanced. And we started to see them have, I think, just a little bit more confidence that they could get joy down the wings um, as they started to realize that neither Nelson nor Maitland-Niles are wingbacks. And I thought Chambers... Uh, you know, he did not yeah. look super confident or sharp, and I realize he's just back from injury, holding as well. So, so they started to grow in confidence. Um, but I also thought that our midfield is deserving of some attention. And look, Jack Wilshere starting a football match for Arsenal is a big deal, and we haven't talked about it yet. We're 20 minutes in, yeah. um, and all we've yeah. talked about is farting and beans and stuff. So we got to talk Jack Wilshere. Yeah. I think he started pretty brightly, and as you'd expect, I think he faded What's interesting to me about Jack is some of the silkiness and smoothness is still there. One thing I love about Jack is if the ball's coming to him, he'll just let it run across his body to his left foot instead of taking four touches to turn. And it's it's yeah. something he learned from Fabregas. Fabregas was doing it at 18 years old. Um, but, you know, and then I'd compare it to El Nenny, and El Nenny had the turning radius of, like, an ocean liner. I mean, yeah. he gets the ball, and it's seven touches to get facing the goal. Um, Wilshire just lets it effortlessly run past him and onto his stronger foot and he's going. But the burst isn't there. When he tries to carry the ball forward, that explosiveness and that close control to get past guys isn't there. For you, I mean, the silkiness is still there. Is the athleticism maybe lacking? Yeah, he's a... You don't need to be a, a football aficionado to recognize that he is just a pure, that natural footballer. Right, so... And I think he's just... What's happened to him? It's not talent. It's it's not a talent thing. It's a mobility thing. And it wasn't shown up so much against Doncaster because he can outrun them. And I thought he actually looked quite good in mobility-wise. He made some recovery runs that were really good. and um, But you couldn't really tell how good they were because we can't really tell the level of the player. But he looks like he's got a, a bit of a way to go. But he's a classic example of a player that's been injured so much. Spent time in the gym recovering. And I just think, you know, he's just got his thighs a little bit heavy. And yeah, I think God, those things are like tree trunks now. And that's yeah, like NFL running back thighs. And I know it's probably it's probably something he's done so he can get that burst. But actually, he needs to be, he's not fat, obviously, right? But he needs to be 
lighter have on his less feet. muscle. He needs to be mm-hmm. lighter. I don't want to say that could be seen he's carrying weight. He's not carrying any weight. He's just carrying a little bit too much muscle in his lower part of his body, which is leading him That's to collisions. That's been said about me, but not really with respect to my legs so much. Just a little <laughs> too much muscle in the lower part of my body. Um, yeah, well, I've got a bit too much weight in the upper part of my body, right? But I'm working on that. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, we all have a problem. It, <laughs> so, like, and it, if you're looking, if you if you look back at some of his um, you know, earlier videos, he just looks a bit sharper. So when he would beat you, he would run away from you. He can still beat you, but people are catching him and crunching him. Well, no, the ball the doesn't stay as level. close, though. Do, do, do you notice that? Like, like he used to beat you and take off, and the ball was an inch from his toe, almost messy, like you know, in that it, it stayed connected to him. He pushes the ball ahead of him now, and he opens himself up to that crunching challenge. Yeah, he's working He's working his way back. He's got a lovely, that, that, that thing when you let go across your body, they call that a, a no-touch turn, right, where you drop your shoulder, no-touch, let the ball beat the man without you touching it, and then you run so away. So what do they call what El Nenny does? <laughs> All-touch all turn? <laughs> El Nenny's slightly different. I, uh, I could talk about him because I've seen some criticism of him today. But So no-touch turn, he pops away. So I, I actually quite like what he did with the ball yesterday because no-touch turn, pop it, get it back, pop it, one touch. I look at him and say, wow, I wish you could do that in the premiership. If he, if he played like he did last night versus Spurs, we'd all be going mad. But they didn't press him last night. I mean, was, was there ever a player within five yards of him when he received the ball? He had so exactly. much space to and operate. That's the, and that's the difference. It's all about levels, isn't it? It's all about levels. And that's a, that's a stepping stone to him coming back. His first 90 minutes, I don't know how long, playing for Arsenal, two, three years. I mean, that's, that's a major stepping stone for him. So if you're like his manager now, you're thinking, okay, how was your legs? What's your recovery like? How's your ankles? How's those screws in your ankles feeling? I mean, that's where he is right now. That's where he is. Are Arsenal fattening him up for a sale at Christmas? I don't know. Or to eat or at they... Christmas for the slaughter, maybe? For the Christmas dinner? No? <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Is he in the shop window? Or are they thinking, okay, we're going to keep you till Christmas and you can earn a new contract? We're not sure that situation in the background. But there's a lot of love for him because, you know, he's he's one of ours, right? Um, he's been there since he was seven, eight years of age. And, um, and he's come all the way through and he's, he's an academy poster child. And it hasn't quite happened for various reasons, which I don't think are all his fault. I think we mismanaged some of his earlier injuries, mis- misdiagnosed them, and he done some stupid things, um, the way he tackles and also the way he was tackled. You know, he's had two people break his legs, a broken ankle. Paddy McNair, Harry Kane smashed him in a tackle, broke his leg. He's a little bit brittle-boned, done a few stupid things, and here he is, 25 fighting for his career at Arsenal and, and it's a shame it's a shame but there were some promising things he did last night can he sustain it is enough games the next month potentially three or four games for him where we can see where he is in a month's time and maybe judge him a little bit more then yeah and I think look there was a time when I thought Jack Wilshire was poised to be one of the best central midfielders in world football and that point in time was the 30 minutes following that Barcelona performance um, yeah. but it hasn't panned out. I think injuries are a big reason for that. Um, I think he has to be a little more cerebral on the pitch now to overcome just some physical infirmities or physical changes in him that are just natural with the injuries he's had and the time off he's had, and I don't know if he's prepared to do that. Um, but, you know, the manager after the match said he's banging on the door for the first team now. Uh, yeah. You know, 
I hope the door still has like seven deadbolts on it because I still don't think he's nearly ready to be in the center of our midfield as a starter in the Premier League. Uh, but I have no problem seeing him start against Batty Borisov, for example, um, midweek yeah. next week. Go ahead. Yep. He, he can handle, I think he can handle number 10 easy in a 4-2-3-1. And I think he can handle 25 minutes in Premiership where Ozil plays really easily. You know, I think at the moment where he is playing higher up, where he's where he's forced to create and not recover and defend in our two-man midfield, that's at the Premiership level. And that's if I was building him, I would build him higher up the pitch, and um and then let him find his legs that way. But you can't deny his creativity, his vision, his pictures, his execution. His well, I think his execution, passes. I'll t- I'll take exception with you just in the sense that there were a few times there where he'd play that curling pass down the left flank and it you just yeah. carry the the wing back it carried Maitland Niles out of bounds on a, you know yeah a, a couple, couple of times. those I still, he, still he think can... he's just finding his sharpness in that respect yeah you know? exactly yeah, exactly but he's got he's got a dink on him he's got the vision to try he's got the personality to try it I think that's really important, you know, big players. He also come looks back. more like Iniesta since he cut his hair too, so like that can't hurt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. If you can look like Iniesta, surely you can play like him. Um you know, to personality is a it's a big thing in football, you know, Elliot. It's a big thing. If you look at say Maitland Niles who's got all the physical attributes, runs like the wind, really strong, lots of potential, and he's just trying to build his personality so he can impose himself in the group. And that's just the hierarchy of a dressing room. Jack mm-hmm. comes in, number 10. I've been the man. I want to be the man again. Give me the ball and let me try a few things. And I, I sort of admire him for that, to be that brave, to want to put himself into situations that are difficult. And I've just been complaining about Theo. And that's what I want him to show, more personality, to be braver, to develop himself, to put himself in areas where it's uncomfortable and not just play the one game that we know he can play. Yeah. And so personality, Jack, top man, he's top class. His body's let him down. We're trying to, he's trying to rebuild it. Personality for Maitland Knowles, it's coming. I hope he can, I hope it happens. I hope he has his moment in the position that he wants to be, whether it's centre or on the wide, as some debates today. It's got to be in the centre. It's got to be for me. Uh, I think so, but some people say he wants to be wide on the right. I don't see it. But Arsene Wenger's a I history think... of putting his young players in wide positions because he thinks it helps them see the pitch and learn the game. And I, you know, I know he did it with Ramsey. He did it with Nick Bentner. He's done it with all kinds of players. But in a wing back role, I think it's a totally different situation because you're asking guys to to understand the game defensively and and play defensively. Got guys who are just not built for that and don't have the the sense of of how uh, reading the game to do that and you know i I'm, i don't think it's the same as playing them as a wide forward when you see them as being a, a central player you know i yeah I mean, it's one thing playing someone as a wide forward who you eventually see as being a midfielder it's another thing playing them as wing back yeah i think um i was having a debate today with people about maitland niles and what how i see him developing and um and i said to, i said to people I, I think he's a little bit reactive and by that I mean he waits for the game and then when the moment comes, when the ball comes near him he reacts to it, when a player run past him, he reacts to that and everything he reacts to, he does really really well, now when you're someone like Jack who's very proactive 
he goes and gets the game. He sees the next pass, and he's got the personality to drive the game. So Maitland-Niles now, centre midfield, we can look at his body and say, yep, we think you, you're going to play there. You make us feel comfortable because you can move. But then for him to really progress, he needs to have some of the support line running that Jack and Elneny have, who are natural in there. They've got the personality to say, yeah, I want it. Give it to me. My next pass is in my head. It's gone. And that's what he needs to develop on. Everyone's got developmental points. For him to develop that, he needs to be in the middle to develop that personality. And and, and it's coming. It's around the corner. I hope I hope the fans give him time. I hope the coaches give him time to develop himself that way. And when you flip it to Reese Nelson now, we all know he's got a personality to play. He doesn't care. He's saying, give it to me. And, he's, and that's why everyone's super excited about him because he has the skill sets, both sides of the pitch. He can play either flank or number 10. He can score off either foot. He can beat you one-on-one. And he has no fear. So that makes him a quite an exciting package. Yeah, I, I mean, the more I watched this game and the more it started to just drift away from us and become nervy and messy and slow and ugly, the more I, I really did change my mind about what I had said in the last podcast. And on the last podcast, my point had been, I think he should play a back three in this game because I think there's a value to these players playing in the system that the first team plays so that if they're drafted into the first team, they're ready for that. But it just became so clear that that system doesn't suit these players. Now, that's a problem because what it means is if you do need to draft these players into the first team, there's there's trouble because they're not suited for it. But yeah. you look at this and you say you could have had, I mean, Chambers – at fullback, holding and pair at center back, bring in another fullback, maybe Josh DeSilver, whoever it is, Maitland Niles, El Nenny, and Jack, Alexis on the left, Giroud up front, and Theo on the right. And you have a much more yeah. natural formation, and it, you're yeah. going to slaughter them. But the manager may have felt like I did last podcast that the goal here is to get these players prepared to play the way we're going to play if they get drafted in. Um, yeah. It just did not work. It did not work past that 25-minute mark. And some of that may have been that they didn't take the game as seriously as they should have, and some of it may have been that those pieces just don't fit in that formation. I, You know, I, I think Mohamed Elneny is one of those guys that I, for me, it's hard to see it with him. I just see a guy that you can pass it to him and he can pass it back to you. And, like, yeah. you know, he will run. He has an engine. I'll give him that. But the, the vision and the technique... And the range of passing just isn't there. And, and this goes back to the point that do you want five out of ten players in your squad who can kind of come in and kind of sort of keep things moving? Or do you yeah. want players who have a little something extra to offer? I mean, Elneny is probably more well-rounded than Jack and a safer option. If you said to me right now from the start, we either have to start Elneny or Jack Wilshire in the Premier League, I'd probably feel safer with Elneny. Um, but if you said we had to win a tough game, I mean... Jack has more to offer. How do you feel about the the contribution in this game and in general of El Nenny? So I so El Nenny, right? Again, I was I was having a few debates on my big train journey today down to Bristol with work. And you don't have to brag people, about how you travel all over the, the <laughs> nation for your important job while some of us just sit in this room waiting for you to log on to Skype. <laughs> okay, well, I, I was debating them. People, I, I didn't debate that much actually because people were criticizing on Nenny. So I always think, okay, so this is how I see him, right? So how do Arsenal play? So we play out through the back and we play to our centre backs, whether there's two or three, and we look for that player in midfield. 
And that player in midfield must must be able to want to receive it. Right? He's so got to find space, step back towards the, the ball and receive it and turn and give be it. A, must be able to want to receive it. And then they recycle it and they go out the other side. You do the around, they call it around call. You go out the other side, you teach people out of their holes and it's all going to be done at pace and quickly. Quick movement, one move, one pass until somebody steps out, bang, you're in. Overload, go down the sides, tip tap, speed up the play. And then on the end, so what, what role does he play for us? He's the player that players look for. And the reason why they look for him, because he's quite secure on the ball. All right? So now if you don't like him, you think, well, he's quite safe on the ball. Kyle. Well, actually, we do this all the time. Wherever we play, we play, we tease, we play through the thirds, we build up passes, we build up possession-based confidence. And he's part of that. Right? So so in the, in the Cologne game, he was the only one coming to get it. He was the only one trying to move it. He was the only one trying to progress it. Now, if you're looking at other midfielders that are more spectacular on the ball, you close your eyes and think, well, what's he actually done? Then think about the team pattern, the pattern of play, and who connects the pattern. And he is a connecting to our pattern of play. That's his role. Mm -hmm. His role is not to be spectacular. His role is to get us playing. And so if we don't go back to front. We're not Spurs. We're not Chelsea. Right? We are Arsenal and we play through the thirds. How are we going to do that without people who can receive it with a next pass in their mind that move it progressively, that's got the ability to receive it and go out the other side and, and, and tease on the other side? Who else is going to do that? Jack can't do that consistently because he hasn't got the physicality. He's the next player. He's a number eight or a number ten. Shaka does it. Who else is at the base of our team that's going to direct our team? So if you judge him on that basis and then say, well, that's what you are, you are that player for us, then you'll start to realise his value and why he's probably valued in the team. Because he always supports... Another thing he does really well, when another player is under pressure, he's always available to get your mate out of trouble. And you love that about a player. When someone can recognise stress, recognise danger, as a coach, you think, yes, he recognises that. He's gone around it, supported it, give him an angle, and he's popped it away, and we're out of that, we're out of that trauma. We're out the other side. And that's a very simple thing to continuity that builds up possession, that builds up pressure, that builds up momentum, second efforts. And he's a part of that. I'm not saying he's... Yeah, so, so then, but you know what I'm hearing. So, so then I hear I hear a guy who who would work better in a midfield three, who needs Absolutely who not. needs that guy in front, that number ten that he can give it to, with or a safer, closer pass, or yeah, or eight, whatever it is, right? And because yeah. because um, you know when you have Theo in front of him and Giroud in front of him, who are covered up by defenders and clustered together, I mean the only place for him to go is Jack or backwards. I mean he needs that extra option in midfield then because he's not going to make the progressive pass, but if he's going to be sort of a hub and spoke guy, kind of like an Arteta, and I think Arteta was more talented. But again, like an Arteta, then he needs another yeah. spoke. You know, I mean, he he does. He can't be giving right. that so, ball to Theo running in behind. So I'm not comparing him to this player, but so Busquets, right? He plays at the base of a V, right? So he's at the base, and he's got two unbelievable number eights in front of him. One who's got a dribble, one who can't who can't get the ball off in a phone box, right? So, and he just popped that ball, get it. Let it go through, out the other side, pop, pop, pop. Obviously, Busquets was a master defensively. He'd read the game defensively, and only he hasn't got that ability. But as a continuity player, 
that's the role he had to give it to two players who are more talented than him and offer a structure. So when he sent a half go wide, he would be popped into the middle. He had a specific role and he does it spectacularly. If you put him in the midfield too, one of those players, you'd demand something else from him. And his body may not be able to do it. He may not have the creativity in the See, last See, that's third. what I say to my wife all the time. You're demanding something of me that my body is just not able to do, and it's not fair. So it comes back to systems. Systems, finding the right system for you, and giving a specific job by your coach. Now, El Nenny now is probably a Busquets-type player, right? But we play in a two. When we play him in a two, we want to see more from you, my son. We want to see you have shots. We want to see you get into dangerous. We want to see you have creativity of pass. And some people judge him on that, whereas I I judge him slightly differently. I, I look at him as a, a continuity player in a two, a player that provides a platform that's always available for his teammates that allows us to recycle the ball. Okay. Um, I, look, this game, we, we've talked about it for 40 minutes, and – that's longer than the Arsenal players put in any real effort on the pitch. <laughs> exactly. So we can probably move on. I mean, we, we get through, and the good news is it's Norwich at home in the next round. It's another chance, along with the Europa games, to continue to rotate, continue to give players a chance in the side who need that game time, you know, need that match fitness. Um, yeah. And maybe even, you know, start to see the young players actually put in, in their real positions instead of out of position. That would be nice. Um, but it's West Brom on Monday, and I guess my question to you is, is this the moment? Will we see Alexis Ozil and Lacazette? I mean, I, I think the news is that Ozil comes back into training tomorrow or is back with the team tomorrow. I think the manager hinted yep. that he could be ready. So are we going to see it? Or is he going to go back to Awobi and, and Alexis's chance in the first team will continue to have to wait? I think I think we have to see it. I, I, I do wonder, you know... <laughs> I, I hesitate to say this, right? But um, but I do wonder if he'll, he'll play Giroud up front. Uh, I don't think he will. You know what? May do. Don't, come on. I was having a perfectly nice day. We were having a lovely time. <laughs> but West Brom, uh, they're, they're full of monsters, right? So they have But Kobe that's exactly action. why you don't play Giroud. The one team he's not going to bully is West Brom. He's not going to win the duels. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's time for... Our best, well, our biggest name front three. I think this is the moment. Alexis had his minutes. Ozil's had his knee injury in time for Chelsea, <laughs> and and Lacazette has, has had a big rest, so he's ready to go. So I think I'm hoping we'll see it because I think they've got a great chance of being quite good together. But West Ham are quite, I'm sorry, West Brom are quite solid um, in the centre mid with Gareth Barry and Krakowiak. They played Johnny Evans at the back, and, and they got Craig Dawson at the back. He played right back versus West Ham. I mean, against against West Ham, it's going to be such an exciting game. West Brom at home only had six shots with one on target, right? And thirty-seven. So you're saying possession. there's a chance that our defense might hold up in this game? It might be right. So it's going to be a game where we're going to have the ball. So their record against I, us at the Emirates lately is not good. <laughs> It's not good. So we're going to have the ball, and it's about it's about pace of pass, movement, intensity, offensive intensity, and moving them around and executing early. Because the longer you don't score against West Brom, the more emboldened they become, and um, eventually they will break away. And 
you know, and, and create something that will make the crowd nervous. So it's one of those games where the first 20 minutes is has to be good. Don't give no set pieces away because they've got Chris Brunt, who's got a great left foot, and he'll whip them in. They've got Matty Phillips on the break, and he'll speed away. So obviously Kieran Gibbs will be dashing down left-hand side. So, you know, maybe we can pop in behind him. But let's see how <laughs> he'll probably play a man of match performance, as, uh, will ben Fo- as will Ben Foster, who always plays well against us. He's got to play Alexis Ozil and, and Lacazette. He's got to. Um, I just, you know, it's funny. The thing with Giroud is, like, as he's playing less, I've come to appreciate him more. And he, he's definitely a better player than maybe sometimes I've given him credit for. My main criticism was just that I don't think he's a first-choice striker for Arsenal, and I still maintain that he's not. But the last couple of games that he's come in, including this one uh, in the Carabao Cup, I noticed something he does that I think has always driven me nuts, and I never really could put my finger on it. He never wants to turn and face the goal, ever. Um, Ever. When he receives the ball with his back to goal, his immediate instinct is always to give it first time to someone behind him. Same in the counterattack. When he gets the ball in the counterattack, he always wants to receive it and one touch it back and then start running towards goal. And you saw it. The the penalty call, the one where he he wanted the penalty, he receives the ball from Alexis, one touch, give and go, and, and almost gets through. That's the move he yeah. loves to make. He doesn't trust himself on the dribble or facing up or, or running at defenders, and so he never wants to put himself in that position. Now, ironically, he did have one brilliant near assist feeding Theo in acres of space on a counterattack where there was literally no other option. It was a great ball, and I wish he would do that more, and that's my point because there were a couple times in this game where we were on the counter, he received the ball in the middle of the field, and one touched it back. He did that very same thing um, against Chelsea when Ramsey was running in behind, and instead he one-touched it back instead of turning and facing, and he just won't turn and face, and I think that in particular is problematic because... When he tries to play with Alexis, for example, Alexis wants to give you the ball and make the darting run. And if you're not going to turn and make that delivery, it just it doesn't work. I just it's something I've noticed in his game that that aggravates me. And you know, that, yeah. enough of that. he play he plays the way he's facing. Yeah, right? yeah, so, that's exactly that's exactly so it. He, there's only he one does, direction for him, and that's whatever he's looking exactly. at. Exactly, <laughs> he plays the way he's facing. It's a great, great now, this is so. What this is why what he uh, I haven't forgotten the header against Leicester. In the penalty box, he is a different animal, you know, in the box. Outside the box, we sort of can see his limitations. And I just think West Brom is going to be a penalty box game, right? It's going to be a box game. And it's going to take time maybe for us to get them into their box. But once we do, he needs to come on because he's going to cause some problems. So um, They just have so, so much size in there. It's the only worry for me. And, and you know, we, as weird as it sounds, one of the problems for Giroud is, I mean, it was crazy. He could have manhandled their their defense last night. I mean, he could have yeah. he could have scored seventeen headers. And heading is hard, and crosses are hard to score from. But he's brilliant at it. And we just don't excel at putting in good crosses in the air to Giroud. Like, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, seem we do. You know who's good at it is Ozil, actually. Yeah, and Ozil. Um, so against West Brom, that Ozil inverted cross on the right hand side yep. into Giroud. That's like. Bread and butter, isn't it? That yep. assist, we can all we can all close our eyes and see it. And I, oh, we, we, we knowing us, we're going to probably need it right against West Brom. So, um, I, I think again, like Theo, he does some things exceptionally well, and he has limits in other parts of the pitch where he's not so comfortable. And um, and that's and that's look, <laughs> that's what you get for twelve about. million pound. I'm afraid he can come in. Yeah, well, right. Look, he can come in for the last thirty. Hopefully, we're not chasing the game at that point, but. 
Come on. Yeah. Ozil, Alexis, Lacazette, let's just see it. Um, all right, before we wrap up, I think there's one more thing that absolutely has to be discussed, and we really can't go another minute without discussing it. Have you seen the highlights of Oxlade Chamberlain's Liverpool oh, performance wow. well, against Leicester? I, I mean, but, have you seen it? I have seen it. I mean, and as somebody, it's you know, great, I isn't generally, it? I generally like most Arsenal players, and I and I like the Ox, and I'm always trying to be positive about most of them, while recognizing their limitations. And he's somebody that I, I I've always liked. I like physical players, right? I like players that can move from zone to zone. You know, you give me, if you say to me, who do you like, a a Rashford or a Kane? Kane, power, power finisher, doesn't move so well. I take Rashford all day long. Now, obviously, Kane's goal record is, um, is great, but Rashford fits my eye. So I like players that can move. But I've always felt the Ox, it's not about ability, about his mentality and I was to watch him play that game. He looked mentally quite weak. To Broken. Be and it was a. Uh, he looked quite weak, and and I was debating again today. I said, you know what? He thinks he's moved away to a situation that's better for him, but maybe the manager that gave him the best chance for his mentality issues was the manager he's just left. Right, so um, I, 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 <laughs> Arsenal fans are laughing at him. I'm feeling a bit sorry for him, if I'm honest with you. But I just can't hey. feel sorry for him. I mean, because he's been handed everything. I mean, he's been handed the football world yeah. at his feet. He comes from a footballing family. He's on a fantastic wage. He lined up this move to Liverpool in the most craven way possible by basically pretending he was going to stay to get game time at yeah. Arsenal while never intending yeah. to stay. I mean, Arsene Wenger deserves huge criticism, obviously, as well, for actually uh, having played him. But the fact that we got £40 million for him, and at this point Klopp will be hesitant to play him ever again, I mean, it was a comedy of errors. (laughs) And then after the match, Klopp says, he has a little calf problem, we have to get used to this and just figure out how to deal with it. And it's like, everything that sums up Oxley chamberlain in one day, running down blind alleys, not playing the final ball, switching off defensively, being injured, and day-to-day with some niggling injury. I mean, yeah. it all happened in a 24-hour period with with Liverpool. And I, you know, I have no sympathy for him. I mean, ultimately, the guy still gets to play football for a living at the club he handpicked for himself at a wage that any of us would kill for. So... You know, yep. I mean, okay. I, can I take that statement back? I don't feel that sorry. For all right, that's better. That. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, personally, look. Once you once you leave Arsenal, right, you leave the family, and that's it. You're done. It's right? not when you're the, when you're there. I I want to see you do well. When you don't, I'm thinking. Well, you know what? We got paid. His, yeah. Paid oh for yeah. Us and and, and, and his goodbye performance against Liverpool, I think, is every reason to have some lingering resentment. Look, at the end of the day, for me, the most important thing is being right. Um, I don't get to be right very often. <laughs> I want to emphasize how right I am about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Um, and since this is not being recorded, if he goes on to have a great career there, no one will ever know. Um, exactly. Okay, good stuff. So West Brom on Monday, which means we have to sit through a weekend of all our rivals winning handily before uh, sinking to a nil-nil draw against West Brom. No, that's not going to happen, but I'm jinxing it, so don't tell anyone. Uh, in any event, Tim and Paul will be back for that. Uh, so that you are treated to some uh, real insight and uh, and uh, humor and general uh, lighthearted tomfoolery. But in the meantime, we hope you've enjoyed this conversation um, and that you're not uh, blowing wind out your backside or anything like that or whatever it was you said, Clive. In any event, Clive is on Twitter at ClivePFC. Thank you, Clive. 
Thank you very much, young man. Thank you. If you're going to call me young man, we can do one-on-ones both on the podcast or off the podcast if you'd like. Um, My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Uh, Give us a five-star review. Write nasty things about Paul and Tim in the comments section uh, as they will never know. It'll be our little secret. In any event, we'll be back after the West Brom game. Cheers and uh, up the arsenal. And sorry about your luck, Alex. Alex.